So it, it was the scariest grade that I've ever earned. Now, I've had some scares, you know, like going into an exam and thinking, I forgot this was a today. Or, you know, like waiting for an exam to come back. And, and I've had those moments where I was afraid of a grade, but I've never been scared actually earning the grade until the day I found myself at Red River Gorge. I, I have to give you some backstory. I went to Cincinnati Bible College, and it's kind of this weird thing for a Bible college to have too many science classes. We can't get into a lot of that today, but like they kind of like had this weird view of science sometimes, and some people aren't sure what they think about it. So, but to be a college, you have to have science. So they were like, yeah, sure, science, you got to do it some. So I took this class called Dangerous Earth, which is as as cool as it sounds, it was that boring, let's be honest. It was taught by a geologist who's a really wonderful man and who loves Jesus, but geologists and I are just on different levels of what's funny and what's not. And I learned that for sure this day. So I was having some trouble in the class, we'll say, because I wasn't doing the, the right things like, you know, showing up to class or taking notes or passing tests, and so I was a little worried about what was going to happen, not because I didn't want to retake the class, it was so much fun, but because I didn't want to die when I brought home a report card from college. And so I went to the professor and I said, I need to bring this grade up, I know college doesn't do extra credit, what can I do to make this grade up? He said, actually, I do extra credit. And I was like, I love geologists. And he said, you just have to wake up early on a Saturday morning and go on a hike with me at Red River Gorge. And I said, I hate geologists. And so we went to Red River Gorge, and we hiked up Natural Bridge, and you know, it wasn't too bad. He taught us a lot of things about the blah, 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 blah of the rocks and stuff, and I forgot a notebook, so I didn't write any of it down. I just was glad to be there. And so we're, we're going through the bridge, and we get all the way up to, to the top, and we're hiking on the trail, and, and we're up at the top of Natural Bridge. If you've been there, you know it's beautiful. It's breathtaking. He goes, now this is where you earn the full letter grade of extra credit that I promised. And I was like, do we have to jump? <laughs> and geologists don't think I'm funny, so it didn't go so well. And he said, no, we're going to climb down over here, and we're going to go to Fat Man's Squeeze. <laughs> you guys, why are you laughing? To which Iron responded, the only place a fat man belongs on the, in Red River Gorge is at Miguel's. And you guys, you already know the geologist didn't think that was funny either. So we climb down these steps and we go around the trail for a little bit and we go to Fat Man Squeeze. And I kid you not, this is an actual picture and it probably makes it look wider than it really is. And so Dr. Bullard, in all of the evil ways that he has, cackled and laughed and said, to or earn your extra credit grade, you have to go through Fat Man Squeeze and back. And you know how like, when you're in elementary school and they're going to take a class picture, the teacher lines you up from shortest to tallest. It was kind of naturally going the way that all of the 16 of us on the trip were going from skinniest to chubbiest. And so like the skinny guys were like, oh, this isn't that bad. Look at me. I can turn sideways and dance in the fat man squeeze. And gradually everyone's going through and it's down to me, right? And I'm having this moment of fear. One of two things is going to happen. I'm going to die in fat man squeeze trying to earn extra credit or I'm going to die two months later when my report card gets sent home to my parents. And so I think, I'll chance it here 
that way I can die a hero. So I hold my breath as much as I can, and I start shimming. Mind you, it is so small. I kid you not. If you've not been there, you don't believe me. The only way that my broad shoulders could fit through is if I went sideways. So I'm shimmying through. I'll show you more. I'm shimmying through Fat Man Squeeze like this, and all of my classmates are going... And I'm just like holding my breath. At some point in the middle, I think I blacked out because I don't remember getting all the way to the other side. But I remember being on the other side and shouting, now what? Dr. Bullard goes, come back. I was like, can I just get a half letter grade for having made it this far? So it was, it was, it was a reminder for me of how much I don't like narrow places. But I've known that my whole life. I've always kind of been afraid of tight quarters, of, of small spaces. It's always been a thing for me. And I, I really kind of remember this fear coming to light when I was in fifth grade. I was in fifth grade and I was in Sunday school. And my Sunday school teacher, her name was Eileen. She must have been a geologist too because she didn't think I was funny either. And so one day Eileen is teaching us in Sunday school. And Eileen reads this verse. And it goes like this. She says, enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter it are many. And then she says, for, it, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. So I calmly raised my hand and I said, Eileen, does this mean you have to lose weight to get into heaven? And none of you thought I was... <laughs> as funny as Eileen must have because I must have made her laugh so hard that she kicked me out of the classroom (laughs) and called my parents and I'll have you know that that wasn't a very good situation. But I've, I've been thinking a lot about the wide versus the narrow gate. And I've been thinking about it a lot because today we we wrap up this portion of of our Apolitical Jesus series, and we're talking about following Jesus and entering God's kingdom. And the truth of the matter is, there in Matthew chapter 7, as Jesus winds down this section, he makes it very clear that as a follower, as a person, you have two choices. The first choice is the wide way, which he says leads to destruction. And then he says, the second choice is the narrow gate, which is hard. And many people choose not to go that way. And I've been thinking all week about the the places in life where you only have two choices. And there's not very many. Even if you came to like a a red light, you have, you know, several choices. You can speed on through and hope for the best. You can do like the the slow roll turn and you still don't really stop or you can stop. You know, there's always more choices. It's It's not always eat or starve. The tougher choices is where do we eat. There's not that many places where you have two choices. Even if you go in the voting booth here in a couple weeks, Most people think that there are two choices, but there are technically 10, 12, 15 choices of who you can vote for in almost any position. And and since we're talking about apolitical Jesus, I wanted to give you a heads up. The next two weeks of apolitical Jesus are going to be, as the kids say, fire emoji. It's going to be crazy because next week we're talking about what would Jesus say to Donald Trump. And the week after that, we're going to talk about what would Jesus say to Hillary Clinton. So you don't want to miss those two weeks, just for the record. But I, I wanted to talk to you today, before we dig into that, about the last part of Jesus' stump speech. And that happens in Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 13. And Jesus makes it very clear. He's been talking for weeks now about the people and the hope of God's kingdom. 
And he's been talking about the benefits of God's kingdom. And he's been talking about the platform of God's kingdom. And then we get to this moment in time when he's going to start talking about the king of God's kingdom. And all of this boils down to these last few verses when Jesus makes a very stark contrast. And we just read it, but I want to read it again with you. Jesus says, enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter it are many. But he says, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. It is a clear, black and white, stark contrast between these two. That there is only a no or a yes. There is only destruction or there is life. Wide is the way that leads to destruction. Narrow is the gate. I've been so reminded of that these past few weeks about the difference between wide and narrow as they're working on the double A back here. It's really kind of interesting. For years, I've been driving the double A from here to town and from town back, and I always have kind of been on autopilot. You know that feeling where you kind of, you're just driving, doing your thing, and then you end up in your destination like, oh, I don't remember that. But now all of a sudden that they're doing construction and the lanes are changing and they're shifting lanes, it it takes a few extra brain cells, doesn't it? Like it's not harder, but it just requires a little more attention. And that's kind of of been reminding me about about the choice of what it means to take the narrow way, is that a narrow route requires intentional focus and choice. You cannot stumble into the kingdom of God. A narrow route requires intentional focus and choice. You cannot stumble into the kingdom of God. Now hear me out. It's not impossible for you to get into the kingdom of God. It's not a secret password that you don't know about. The difference is, is that you can't just stumble into it. You can't get into the kingdom of God because your grandma took you to church when you were a kid. You can't get into the kingdom of God because you vote the right way. You can't get into the kingdom of God because you gave one time when somebody knocked on the door. You can't get into the kingdom of God because you came every once in a while and and laughed at a few jokes. Although laughing at my jokes gets you closer, just so you know. But you you can't stumble into the kingdom of God in order to follow Jesus, in order to declare God the king of your kingdom. You have to make an intentional choice to follow the route that is the narrow way. Cornel de Blis is a a painter who painted probably the most famous painting of the wide and narrow gate. You see them over here. You see the, the narrow way is very difficult. It's uphill. It's curvy. It's a tough climb to make. And over here on this side is the wide gate. And the wide gate is easy, but if you follow the wide gate long enough in the open field, what you see is destruction. And it's so important to note That the narrow way isn't impossible. The narrow way isn't too difficult. It's not uphill. It's not only for the most skilled of climbers, but the narrow way is always for those who are going to be the most intentional. You'll never follow the narrow way by accident. And so what Jesus is trying to teach the people here is he's trying to say, if you're going to put your hope in Jesus, you're going to have to be very intentional about that hope. And he gives a warning, too, because he, he, this warning is to people who are trying to find the narrow way, and this warning is very important, and it's important to people like me, and it's also equally important to people like you. 
But Jesus says this in verse 15. He says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. He says, You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. He says, A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does, bear, does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire, is led to the path of destruction. And he says, thus you will recognize them by their fruits. What is Jesus trying to say here? Is he saying there are going to be people who will tell you that they have another way? There's going to be people who say, you don't have to do it the hard way. There's an easier way to follow Jesus, who are saying, you can still follow Jesus and, you can still follow Jesus if, but what they're saying is they're leading you down the wrong path. Most of you are familiar with the term Pied Piper, right? You've heard of, of the, the Pied Piper who leads people to a place. But the Pied Piper is a true story it's a true story of a man in the 13th century who thought he could fight the Third Great Crusade, but instead of taking trained soldiers into battle, he decided that he could take children into the battle. And so he went from town to town playing music and brightly colored clothes and doing all of these things to try and entice children to go with him to fight the Great Crusade, the Third Great Crusade. Well, two-thirds of the children died on the way to the crusade, and the last third died in the crusade. Because the Pied Piper was leading them to what they thought was an easier way of life, but it turned out only to be destruction. I'm going to tell you a secret that some pastors and some preachers and some people on TV won't ever tell you, but it's that your life, whether you follow Jesus or don't, is going to be difficult. Is that whether you, whether you come to church, whether you give money, whether you follow Jesus, whether you claim God's kingdom, or you don't, life is going to be hard. It's going to seem unfair. It's going to be difficult. So if someone tells you that they have an easy way to make life better or easier, they're a false prophet. William Barclays is, is a great theologian from the 20th century, and Barclays said this. He said the difference is uh, the, the true shepherd cares for the flock more than he cares for life, for his life. The wolf cares nothing but for his own gluttony and greed. The false prophet is in the business of teaching, not for what he can give to others, but for what he can get himself. And so when you're following people, even if, even if it's following the people of our church, if they're not leading you to the path of Jesus, if they're not leading you to the kingdom then they're leading you somewhere that's going to end in destruction. So Jesus keeps talking about if a tree bears fruit. What does he mean if a tree bears fruit? What kind of fruit is he talking about here? Later in the book of Galatians, the apostle Paul writes out what the fruits are that someone bears if they're a follower of Jesus. He says the fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. And so he says, if a person is, is a member of the kingdom of God, if a person is on the narrow way, he says, they're going to exhibit those very characteristics. 
If a person isn't exhibiting love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control, if they're not showing those as a part of who they are, then they're not on the narrow way. And I want to be very clear with you, just, just to make sure we're all on the same page. When we talk about the narrow way, this isn't about a behavior modification. This isn't, you can't get on the narrow way if you don't do X, Y, and Z. And this isn't, you're guaranteed to fall off the, the narrow way if you're doing X, Y, and Z. This is about an intentional choice that you're making with your heart. This is about an intentional decision that you're making to say, I'm going to follow Jesus. Because someone who's not making that choice, someone who's not trying to be a part of the kingdom of God, someone who hasn't given their life to the kingdom, isn't going to exhibit fruit. And I'm telling you, if they aren't exhibiting fruit, they aren't following Jesus, and they will lead you astray. And so even if it's me, and you think I'm the person who's leading you to the kingdom of God, if I don't exhibit those fruits, eventually I will lead you astray. And so it's very important in your life and in my life that we're placing our hope in the kind of, in the kind of people who are leading us to the kingdom, who are leading us on the narrow way. Because Jesus says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. And he says, on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will say to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Isn't that frightening? I mean, think about what, what your life means if, if you think, I've dedicated my whole life to following Jesus, but there are people who are going to say, Lord, we did these things for you, and he's going to say, I never knew you. It kind of stops and gives you pause, doesn't it? But the question we have to answer for ourselves is, is my life bearing the fruit that shows that I know Jesus? Is my life looking like the life that Jesus called me to live? Am I intentionally setting my heart, my family, my life on a path that follows Jesus, or am I just kind of hoping I stumble into the kingdom by accident? Imagine with me that you wake up in the middle of the night tonight, and you smell smoke, and you look over to the other side, and you see across the room that there is a fire blazing in your house. What's your first reaction? get everyone else out of the house and run, right? Your first reaction isn't going to be, I'm really glad I woke up. Cool. Guess I'll go back to sleep now, right? Like, when you know something, you're going to do something about that. Even if you don't handle it perfectly, even if there was a better exit you could have gone out of, even if there was something you could have saved if you had the chance to do it again, the bottom line is, if you set your intentions on saying, I'm going to do something about this right now, you're going to do the best you can. And so this is what Jesus is asking of us, is to see that around us, to see that near us, that the house is on fire, and not just to notice it and think, oh, I hope we get out in time, but to intentionally do something about it. Because like I told you, it doesn't matter which side of the fence you're on. 
It doesn't matter who you vote for. It doesn't matter what kind of car you drove here today. Your life is difficult. And your life is going to be difficult. Jesus says as much in verse 24. He says, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. He says, And the rain fell and the storms come. Right? Because it's not an if, it's a when. And the winds blew and beat on the house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. But he says, everyone who hears these words of mine and doesn't do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And he says, and the rain fell and the floods came. The winds blew and beat against the house and it fell and great was the fall of it. It's going to happen in your life. The storms are going to come the hard times are going to be there. And they're either going to continue down the path that leads to destruction or you're going to follow the narrow way that leads to life. So I want, I want to share with you how you find your way to the narrow way that leads to life. How you find your way to the narrow way that leads to life is very simple. It's not that someone sprinkles water on your head when you're a baby. It's not that you went through confirmation class as a kid. It's not that you just say a special prayer or show up to church a special number of times. How you make sure that you're on the narrow way that leads to life is a few things. First is you say, I want to follow Jesus. The second thing you do is you say, I, I, I am who I am. I was who I was, and I want to be someone different. You say, I want to bury my old self. I want to die to who I used to be, and I want to start that new life today. And so we, we believe that the way we start that new life is we enter in, into a body of water, and we symbolize the burying of our old life by going underneath the water, and we symbolize the new life, the one that leads to eternity, the one that leads to hope, the narrow way, by coming back up out of the water. There's nothing special about any body of water versus any other. There's nothing magical that happens in the water. What happens is it's a symbol of Jesus saying, we want you on the narrow way. It's a symbol of us saying, I'm going to focus my heart intentionally on the narrow way, as difficult as it may be. What you're doing in that moment when you go under the water and give your life to Jesus is you're saying, no matter what else happens, my house, my life, my home is built on the rock. And the storms can come, and the wind can blow, but my life is focused on Him and the narrow way. And I have the hope of eternity not because of who's in, in office, not because of how I feel about policy, not because of what I've done, but because of Jesus. I don't know if you guys remember this. In, in 2007, um, the I-35 West in Minnesota collapsed, and there were 15 cars on it at the moment, and, and all of those people died, and it was a great calamity. It was, it was a bad, bad thing. I especially remember it because I was driving across the Brent Springs Bridge in Cincinnati all the time, and it was reminding me about how much I hate closed spaces and tight spaces, but I remember it specifically because it was bad news, and it was, it was a frightening time. But a few years later, the New York Times did an investigation, 
And in the New York Times investigation, they discovered that the problem with I-35 wasn't that the bridge had been built or designed poorly, but the problem was that the company who built the bridge decided to take an easier route and buy a cheaper piece of metal in one particular point. And it was fine for the first couple of, of decades, but eventually it got to the point when the cheaper metal was what was eventually causing the entire piece to crumble. And the New York Times closed the article with this, and they said the, the biggest problem with the I-35 wasn't design, wasn't overuse, but it was its own foundation. And the very things that it was started on was something that wasn't going to last. And so here's my challenge to you today. My challenge to you is to, is to figure out what your foundation is. Because there's one of two choices. Your foundation is either the wide gate that's eventually going to lead to destruction or your foundation is the narrow way. And so here in just a few moments, the men are going to come and they're going to bring the bread and they're going to bring the cup. And I want you to take that time for self-reflection. I want you to take a moment there and just sit to yourself and make sure that you say, I am, I am following the narrow way. Or maybe for you, this is the first time that you've been challenged with this in a long time or maybe ever. And when that moment comes, when the bread comes and the cup comes and you think, am I following that Jesus? Have I given my life to Jesus? And maybe for you, the answer is I haven't. Maybe you say, I've been trying to follow Jesus for a while, but I've never made the decision to actually to be baptized, to go under the water and to publicly say that Jesus is the king of my kingdom. Well, if that's you, after the bread and the cup come and after offering comes, I'm gonna be standing in the back because I don't ever want to embarrass anybody. I don't ever want to put anybody on the spot. But I want to talk to you about what it means to dedicate your life to the narrow way. I want to talk to you about what it means to follow Jesus. So we're going to sing a few songs together and, no, and nobody else will be watching, nobody will be looking, and we can just talk. Or maybe you come back and you say, I, I want to set up a time to have a more serious conversation about this. But I really want to challenge with you, all of you, with everything you have in you, to use these moments to examine yourself and say, is the way I'm going the narrow way? Is the choice I'm making an intentional choice to follow Jesus?